0: You're listening to the Con Artist Podcast, The
1: Art of Confidence Through the Creative Mind with Allison Robertson and Blake McIver. Hello, Allison. Well, hello, Blake. How are you doing? I am doing very well, I think. Okay. At least that's what I'm going to tell myself. We'll take it. I am. We'll take it. I am. You know, we're back. We're doing our thing. We're getting through. We are getting through. But I have to say, did you listen? Two. Come on. The royals? Uh, the peeps?
0: Every second I hung on every mm-hmm. word. <laughs> First of all, before we I get into me. the before we get into that, obviously we're talking about um Harry and Megan's sit-down. Well, it was really just Megan's sit-down with Oprah that Harry joined at the end. But can <laughs> we talk about can we talk about Oprah's hair and how gorgeous it is? Oh my
1: god. No, can I please tell you, my mother walks in the kitchen and says, Oprah looks stunning. And she paused. Well, she paused and it made me nervous. I was like, Oh, God, what's happening right now? What what happened? (laughs) You know, my mother's, you know, and and she said, she looks incredible. She looks amazing. I mean, she really well, it gets better and better.
0: It makes me yearn for her to like find an acting project that she's excited about again. Because like, how phenomenal would it be to now see Oprah do take on another like big movie? You know,
1: yeah, because she doesn't She's have the pressure of to... the
0: like day-to-day yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. You know, She's so gotta be
1: itching to do something like that.
0: Because I miss it anyway. That had nothing to do with the interview. Just my love of I Oprah.
1: <laughs> I well, you know us. This whole this whole show loves Oprah. <laughs> I mean, our producer is going to chime in in a second because we quote Oprah daily, weekly. all the time
0: billy eichner tweeted during the interview there was a time when you could watch rosie o'donnell at three and oprah at four and why can't we go back to that time
1: (laughs) why can't we oh when we used to watch shows at a certain time remember that well yeah we
0: couldn't we didn't have dvr we didn't know what that was
1: oh my god i bet the kids would have no idea what we're talking about
0: you know and even before our time there was a (laughs) lot there was such a thing as live television
1: yes you could." Oh my god! You had to watch it in real time. (laughs) What the hell? But yes. So let's talk about the royals for just this
0: interview. Like Megan, I mean,
1: and Harry.
0: Okay, so you know we talk on this podcast a lot about Mm -hmm. perception, and you know we talk a lot about what you put out into the world versus what comes back Mm -hmm. at you as an artist, as a you know quasi celebrity, or as an actual celebrity. You know, we've talked to a lot of guests that have had. A little bit of fame than a lot of fame then mm-hmm. you know we've we we have this conversation mm-hmm. over and over again mm-hmm. and what what was shocking to me and <laughs> validating which is not the 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 word that you would think I would use about this interview is basically what I thought is what I think is now the truth like what I what I what I
1: imagine yes I I understand what you're saying it's you weren't sure what to feel you had an inkling you thought maybe what it is but now you're like oh i absolutely know what the truth is right. and and I, and I know sometimes that's dangerous to take one person's word yeah as truth right but there was something about the interview that made you say well oh, she has nothing to lose they have nothing to lose to tell a falsehood
0: why would they Or lie? an
1: embellished truth like why would they do this other than hey we're just going to stop this ball from rolling any further. Yes.
0: Well, and as someone as someone who is not as brave as Meghan Markle, um, I will say that there are members <laughs> of my family that are close mm-hmm. to members uh-huh. of the royal uh-huh. family, and that is all I am willing to say, Oprah. <laughs> and all I can say is that I disagree with what I have been told, even from what was considered privileged or insider information, and I definitely agree with megan and harry
1: yeah 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 i i hear i i mean it's cryptic as you're saying it but
0: (laughs) i know that was like a really weird way to say it but
1: no i know what you're saying but i just it's it's her innocence nonplussed no axe to Mm grind other than i'm just being me why it was like that why why Why?
0: Well, and here's what I said when my opinion was first challenged on this, when I didn't have any facts. I just was Mm -hmm. like, I think I want to believe her. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) And I don't, I
0: want to give this woman the benefit of the doubt. What I said was, if this was all a manipulation from the beginning, if this was a master plan, then we need to let Meghan Markle Mm -hmm. take over the UN. Because she should Mm -hmm. be controlling global politics. Because if she could, if she could mastermind (laughs) manipulate this situation for this outcome, then she should be running the globe. Like yeah, no questions I, asked.
1: I, I think that's a I think that's a really brilliant way to put this because when people can do stuff like this, then then you're absolutely right. If they can manipulate this situation, then they should be thinking about them on a global level. It's sort of like when hackers do stupid things like, you know, take over something like your Bank card. I'm like, okay, if you can do this to me three times in six months, let's think about you doing something for the good of the world. Exactly. Instead of hacking my B of A account, but I agree with you. If she's this way, then let's let's put her in charge of something bigger. Right.
0: But at the very least, I'm glad her story was told, which is actually a perfect segue okay. on this. We are we are recording this podcast on International Women's Day, and we are right. as you as behind. you all know our listeners we are all about female empowerment here on the con artist podcast and it was
1: built on female empowerment amen to that
0: (laughs) and so our guest today i'm very excited to talk to because we have a very strong female a very strong young female that is making Mm. all kinds of moves in hollywood right now and it's really exciting to talk to her she has already accomplished so much in such Ugh. a short amount of time and so let's just not wait anymore let's bring her in we are so excited today on the con artist podcast about our guest and uh with no further waiting we want to bring in a fantastically gifted writer and actress and multi-hyphenate artist that we are so excited to talk to today and also a fulbright scholar uh which we'll get into the phenomenal camille corbett welcome camille thank you for being here
2: thank you so much for having me i appreciate you guys having me on this podcast it's pretty dope (laughs)
0: <laughs> we are, we are so excited uh, yeah, that you're here awesome. and to talk to you and, and get into all of the things that you've already accomplished in your career, which is incredibly impressive and inspiring. And we want to talk about that. And we want to talk about the future and all of the things going on in your world. So we kind of do things a little bit backwards here on the con artist podcast, Wait, hold on. But... Hold on
1: before, before you tell her, before you tell her, before you tell her anything, mm-hmm. seriously, Camille, Blake and I were texting today, and he was like, No, seriously, we were going back and forth about how exciting and how we were going to talk, what what we were going to talk to you about. You're, it's so, you're so, so much to talk about that (laughs) Blake and I were texting back and forth all day today about where should we go? What should we talk to her about? What? So I'm going to let him explain the (laughs) rules, but. Be prepared. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> so we okay. we kind of start at the, at the at the at the end of the story, meaning like what what's going on right now, and then we'll work our way backwards and just jump all the way around. But you've got two really exciting things going on right now. You're you're a writer on a brand new Netflix show that hasn't mm-hmm. even come out yet, yeah. and your actual creative, like your project that you created, is is mm-hmm. just brand new.
2: I think. Yeah, I just finished it, and I plan on pitching it. It's called Crystal and Chelsea. It's about a psychic that scams white women for being less racist. It's like, don't trust the bitch in the park when 23 meets Miss Cleo.
0: Oh my God. Brilliant. Brilliant. (laughs)
2: Brilliant. (laughs) I was very lucky. I wrote it with like my best friend when we first came to LA. And, you know, it was like a web series at first. We wrote it sort of in response to like Trump getting... Elected president, like he was a gay dude. And I'm like, you know, like a girl. We have, we're friends with a lot of white women, and we were just like sort of shocked that so many of them voted for trump i think was like 53 percent like how could they betray us like this what the fuck right we wanted to write about us fixing our white girlfriends that maybe voted for trump because their dad so they would take away their trust funds and stuff so and you know just like the sort of like complicit like so how some women are complicit in like you know the patriarchy and how that needs to stop it's not like it's beyond like a color thing like women just need to come together you know in order to become better people in general and so that's what sort of what Crystal and Chelsea is about. It's about female friendship. It's basically about this girl. She's like her um, roommate's boyfriend, who is also a member of the KKK. And she comes to a psychic, just to learn some intel. And basically the psychic turns to her. And I played the psychic. Like I wrote it, produced it, and I started in it. And basically she says she knows who the woman is. She's familiar with that relationship. And she goes, if you keep having sex with this man who's a member of the KKK, you know, black spirits are going to come and haunt you. And then that's sort of like the inciting incident. And, you know, she goes on a journey there and she learns sort of like the hard way the white girl does Chelsea that like to be accountable, doing the right thing might be hard. Like she gets kicked out of her apartment with her white roommate. Cause she was fucking her boyfriend. And, you know, she camps outside the psychic's house and then they eventually become friends and live together. And, you know, it's just like a story about two women uplifting each other.
1: Oh, amazing. Amazing. I did see some clips of it online and it, it's really, really smart, really, really well done. Tell me, how did you, I mean, so many people write things here in LA, you know, so many have so many great ideas. How did you get it to this point? How did you, right? I mean, how did, how, that's what our listeners are yeah. going to know, right? So many, but how did you get it here right now?
2: So I will say that I I luckily was an assistant in a lot of writer's rooms, but in addition to that, I've been on set a lot and I've worked as a producer in reality TV, like as an associate producer on true crime shows. And so like, I sort of had like known what it takes to set up a shoot and, you know, it's, event, it's basically like event planning. And so, like, I did a Kickstarter. Basically, like, I got fired from my dream assistant job, whatever, on the show that I thought I would, like, get promoted to. And it was just, like, a show I was a huge fan of. And it just wasn't what I turned out to be. Everything was a lie on that show. And I got fired because everything was lip service when it came to diversity. And I, like, was just, like, really at a low point. I was just like, am I going to be an assistant forever? I really need to do something to set me apart. And like, we wrote this, I think probably like a year and a half or two years before that moment. And one or two people, like, said they would fund it and then it fell through. And so then I just did a Kickstarter. I was like, fuck it. Um, I had been part-time the NBC Writing Fellowship TA for about like two years at that point. And I felt like I knew enough writers because in Kickstarters just need to know rich people that Mm -hmm. would give you money. I was like, I feel like I know enough writers that would pity me. For me to reach like a decent kickstarter goal so luckily like our biggest donor was Dan shannon um he was like an executive producer on modern family and he's like been writing since cheers and then he helped us punch it up which was amazing then we got a panavision grant for a million dollars worth of equipment and that was like very lucky miranda Pancheco literally is like one of my closest friends and she produced crystal and chelsea with me And right now she's like a production coordinator on um, the new Scorsese film. So like, obviously she has a great (laughs) mind for production. Yeah. And um, she came onto this project with me and she also helped me get like my first managers and stuff and just really knew my writing style really well. And so she was great to be like a creative slash like, you know, tactical producer, like line producer as well. And so we sort of came together, figured out like what measly budget we had and like made it work with this Panavision grant. And obviously with the Panavision grant, a million dollars worth of equipment, you can't just like have a rug and tug sort of production. (laughs) I was expecting a production with like six people and it turned into something where it was like probably 20 people on set at all times. Wow. That is, cr- I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy that it was able to explode in that way and that we were able to figure out a way to pay everyone. Obviously, we didn't pay them, like, exactly their rates because right. like, our Kickstarter goal just wasn't that big um, to, like, encompass that. And, like, I was an assistant at the time. And honestly, after getting that Kickstarter, I knew it had to happen. We went through, like, a director. We lost a director, then we got one, like... a a month before luckily and she was obviously like the right person for the job she did a beautiful job and like casting basically i um started acting again like i studied theater and then like i just like were and like random productions that my friends would like have or like table reads and i just sort of like would find people from that and you know because they would do rates that i thought would be good and i was lucky enough to find like amanda McCants who like, we did Hilary together, and I was just like, she's the perfect Chelsea, and she read for me, and she was perfect. And KKK Kyle, like, New <laughs> was so perfect. He was, like, the first person he cast. When I met him, he was, like, directing um theater for Shia LaBuff's theater company, mm. and he was, like, trying to be more a director, so I had him direct the tag, but he was just, like, so perfect for KKK Kyle, like, and the best part about him was, like, he was, like, played this KKK member, and he was, like, half Mexican, so...
0: Just, oh my gosh.
2: And you can tell, so it's like perfect um, to like have a POC person play that role. I think that's really special. Of course. <laughs> and so, yeah, and it luckily was able all to come together. It was kind of crazy because up until that I was like an assistant. So, and like, I got staffed a week before we shot Crystal and Chelsea. So basically I worked three jobs trying to save up for Crystal and Chelsea, three assistant jobs. I worked as a director's assistant to like the old Spice dude for a horror film he made with a craze, way crazier budget than me. So I sort of had like experience setting up a shoot, but like a rich person shoot. So it was like a five minute short 80K budget and opposed to my like 30 minute <laughs> pilot with a 20K budget Right, is very different. <laughs> and so <laughs> like, it was just fun to be able to like set up, like help set up that shoot and like hire people at shot it like sort of showed me like I did know how to produce in that way and then um I worked as an assistant to the showrunner Carter Harris and I did a lot of research for him and then I would temp on the Fox lot because both of those jobs were remote so I would like be on like desk like the CEO of like Fox News while like I was like doing oh my
1: gosh
2: (laughs) I (laughs) yeah but it was funny I sent him the kickstarter but he didn't accept (laughs) it Um, Why not? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but what I am so impressed by, and and hearing, and inspired by in that journey is that you had the wherewithal in your, you knew that your your piece, your art, what you wanted to say through it and with it, was worth doing all of the other and and being able to actually use all of your expertise and know-how and go, oh, this little thing that I'm learning over here might be a little thing in this job. It's gonna be a huge thing over here. Like so many people can't do that, right? Like that is just yeah. such a testament to you really knowing and really going, oh my gosh, this is what I want to make. And here's all the tools that I have in my tool belt to make that happen. And now because of all these other things, I can. And that is so powerful. That is, is so inspiring and so, you are to be commended because that is, that is really incredible.
2: I just think it's literally like, you have to be realistic with yourself though, like as a writer. And I feel like knowing that there are scripts that people write that are perfect. There are such things as the perfect script. I read the pilot to euphoria. I was like, there's no way that someone wouldn't have made this Mm -hmm. perfect scripts exist. There are scripts that are written that everyone that will read it will love it. Well, like 98%. And if you make a script like that, you have to be able to like champion it, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: Mm. And like,
2: I look at um, movies like The Favorite that took 10 years to be made. Mm -hmm. But when it was made, you know, like immediately it was like Oscar bait. And I feel like if you really know that you have like a 98% script, like a script that most people are going to like, that you should always advocate for it. Because like, maybe not now, you know, like when I first wrote it, I thought it'd be too risque. Now it's so timely. Yeah. You know, I literally thought it would like white Hollywood execs would be like, now they're like salivating. So it's just like, just write what you want and then keep advocating for it. If you've made it perfect, you know, if you put in the work and made it that irrefutable mm-hmm. script that it is very possible for that to happen, then yeah, you should definitely advocate for it. And it took me like a while to do it, but like just the fact that so many people did it for lower rates and you know, stuff like that, it just made me know that this was special. Like we got a post house in Burbank, a picture shop and they like colored it for free for us. Like awesome. that sort of advocating for us, like it made me know that there was something good about this script and that I should keep pushing, keep producing.
1: Absolutely. Where did your, where does your tenacity come from? I mean, I I get your talent, I get your your creativity, but you have a tenacity about you. I mean, it is it's a force. It's it's, not, it's something to be reckoned with. Where did that come from?
2: Oh, I don't know. I don't. I like. <laughs> I don't know. Like people always ask me, like, why I'm ambitious or whatever. I don't know because like my parents definitely didn't like encourage me to be the best person I could be or whatever. But I. Will say, I don't know, like I just the moment like I read something, like a book, and I saw like how it could affect people, because like I sort of had like a rough childhood and like books were like very my safe place. And like I saw like if you're a great writer, you could really make a safe place for people. You could really like allow people to submerge in your world and it just be this incredible place they could explore. And so I always wanted to do that. And I've always been passionate about doing that. And I've read a lot of books. I've read over a thousand books, and I like try and like just be as like cons- all consuming now about television because like I started like writing for a screen later in my life than I did on like books and stuff. So I, you know, like I just want to make sure I, I, I just know that like when I look at other writers that they just haven't put in the same work as me. They haven't read those a thousand books, they haven't done that. And I just feel like a real ownership over my craft that mm. makes me sort of aggressive it's like prove that you've done as much as me so absolutely <laughs> or let me fucking speak i don't <laughs> you know? and yeah. it's and
0: and that's not aggressive that is that is that is that's a researcher that is researched that is that is yeah. you 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 walk into the room with that and that's powerful and and wonderful it's
1: it's a mastery it's a and mastery. also it's it's having mastery with your
0: it, with this project, right? like you were ready to have a conversation that Hollywood was not ready to have yet. You were ready years before. Right. Yeah. And you trusted that. And like now, now they're catching up. Right. But you were already there.
2: Exactly. And I don't trust like execs because they all come from the same place. Yeah. They all come from the Valley. Like, are you going to trust people from the Valley, like, to make taste, be tastemakers? When you realize that, it's like, no You can't,
0: and I come from the Valley, and I'm here to say you're
2: absolutely right. (laughs) I'm from, like, Atlanta, like, the suburbs. It's basically like, you know, the Sherman Oaks of Atlanta. Uh (laughs) Those people can't decide. (laughs) those people don't get to decide what's cool for me like right i can't imagine they wear nike shorts every day right like
0: i can't no it's very it's very true okay so so now jump us back jump us back to the beginning when did you know that i guess now well i was gonna ask you when did you know you wanted to write for tv or for film but i kind of now i'm now i'm curious when did you know that you wanted to write period
2: when I knew I wanted to write period I was like 10 probably and like I wrote like some short story about pretending to be a pencil and I sent it to like my family and they really thought it was funny and I was just like you know maybe I have something there and I just like tried to write be a writer ever since like literally I would, like, write all the time. Like, at first, it was really sporadic. It took me a while not to learn to write emotionally. Like, basically, all my childhood, I wrote emotionally. And I was first published when I was 15. And then, basically, when I went to college, I was, like, sw- I was going to go into politics or whatever. And um, I studied political science at first. And I just couldn't vibe with it. I didn't want to, like, fight people over basic, like... I Like, it's just, like, basic knowledge. Yeah. Like, Republicans literally like refuse basic knowledge. Right. It's insane. It's insane. Yes. And so I <laughs> just wanted to like you know like create and be happy. I always knew I wanted to be a writer, but I thought it'd be like a novelist part-time, but when I found out how much TV writers made mm-hmm. and I could write consistently, creatively, it's the only job we can write consistently and creatively mm-hmm. and make good money. I was like, "Okay, I'm going to find a way to do that." Like obviously my film professors didn't think that I could or whatever, like I sort of was like, I'll do it. But yeah, I just was like, I'm gonna do this. And then, like, I, when I, after my Fulbright, after I graduated college, like my Fulbright senior, I mean, thesis or whatever, my personal statement, I said that, like, I wanted to go there because I went to Turkey to, like, talk more about, like, Middle Eastern people in the media. Cause at that time, like, it was like, I saw Black people, I saw white people. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I saw a lot of bad representations of Latino people, but <laughs> Latinx people. Yeah. But I had not really seen any like representation besides like Mr. Robot, and it was like hidden. Elliot was white, and I was like confused by that, and because it was like this like Egyptian showrunner, this Egyptian and mm-hmm. lead. Can you imagine being that close and just having to make your character white? Right. Like I can't mm-hmm. imagine, and so yeah. I was just like I just wanted to create more Middle Eastern content. So I like went there. Obviously like it didn't really work out because for a while, up until basically like three months ago after the Capitol insurrection where they realized that white people can also be terrorists, no one wanted Mm -hmm. to touch my Middle Eastern family sample. They, I was, I got a lot of traction from it. got a lot of great meetings but no one wants to touch it. Now people are willing to have that real conversation. Do you want to make this? But before it was just, even after Rami, even post Rami, they're like, no, like, because I'm black, people felt comfortable telling me they didn't want to make Middle Eastern content.
0: Wow. That's a huge statement right there. And that's, and I, and I think people need to, to hear that. Right. Because it, there's no excuse for that, but, but people need to know that that's, those are the real conversations that are happening.
2: Yeah, if you wonder why like there's certain shows that you think would be a good idea to be made and why they haven't been made yet, it's just because like they've probably been thought up, pitched to an exec, and they said no because no one wants to see these no. people. Right. <laughs> it's kind of like I'm sure yeah. like a show like Pose has been pitched before. Yes. Ryan Murphy made Pose. Right. <laughs> right. right. sure was pitched around its time period right well and it's
0: so interesting (laughs) because that this this tie-in with middle eastern culture because literally last week on the podcast we had on jackie cox from season 12 of rupaul's drag race who was the first persian queen on Mm -hmm. rupaul's drag race and and was very much bullied uh throughout social media for a representation of drag in a hijab when uh darius does not identify as muslim um, but was representing <laughs> his own culture, so somehow that was not valid. Are they like
2: a the Christian? Persians? It was. It was a yeah. lot of. It was a
0: lot of Christian Middle Eastern people, and a lot of, uh, sadly, uh, quite a few Muslim Middle Eastern people, and then other, just other people trying to 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 cash in on it. But, you know, it was an intersectional conversation that was, you know, people people think that it just, that things like that are just cut and dry, right? That it's just like you're either racist or you're mm-hmm. not. You're either, you, you know, you either see diversity as, a, as, a, as the, the beautiful, wonderful thing that our world is or you don't. And, and there's so many gray areas and, and which is what I, I love talking to you about this particular thing, because as a woman of color in Hollywood and having to deal with, no doubt, c- consistent aggressions and microaggressions, Throughout yeah. your life and throughout your career. You know, you even said it like in in what one of those jobs, like the, the diversity was promised and it was not delivered. You know, how how many times, you know, this 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 is constantly happening and, and why why are we just now talking about it in a real way, in a, in an in a in an intentional way? You know
2: because people lied to people and so that if they spoke out, they would never get a job again. That's not the truth. Right. Right. <laughs> right right. that's not the truth right if you like complain that someone's racist you will work again right that's <laughs> people right. will want to work with you again it's just like a myth right it's like that one like girl and friends the writer's assistant she was black and the friend's staff was racist sexist and she reported them and then they made this whole new law where like what you say in a writer's room is technically still works or doesn't matter. and You can't like technically like be offensive to people. And so now people sort of use that as a president, but like here, here we see like black writers getting like fired. And then because he said like the N word, I can't remember it was like a prominent like journalist who said the N word. And then he was like, and then he got fired, but he was like, how can I get fired for saying the N word when I'm the only N word in the room? (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay
2: yeah exactly yeah. it's like he should be so it's like it's so unequal like white people can basically get away with whatever but black people or like people of color just generally can't when it comes to these like rules that are always moving right when it comes to freedom no, of speech
1: i think it's amazing the conversation that you're able to have the conversation of how how strong and how the changes that you're making right the the impact I mean, how old how old are you i'm 20 yeah i mean it's it's quite um impressive and much needed and i and i want our listeners to hear that i mean i'm not i'm saying that because uh, i mean i'm 50 and wow you when play. i when <laughs> i <laughs> When I hear you, thank you. When I hear you, when when I hear you talking, I think like yeah, 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 and it's it makes me a little speechless because we weren't talking this way at twenty six. I wasn't talking this way at twenty six. I wasn't either. Right? No one, no one was having these conversations. That no matter what color you were, no one was having this conversation, and especially as a woman. I mean. So the fact that you're able to say, bullshit, fuck off, not doing it, uh, I mean, I say, yeah, please, uh, could you lead a class and send out the handbook and tell everybody that it's not going to happen anymore. So I think it's really important. And um, may I, I just say, yes, please keep going.
2: I just feel like as I get older, I'm filled with more feminist rage like I watched that movie promising young woman mm-hmm. and there's like oh. a woman that like snowballed with her feminist rage. And I was just like, so, I feel like this so many times where it's like men do something that's frustrating and keeps you in that, like stuck in this like glass ceiling or whatever. And you just like, want to do something violent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because it's like, what can you do? You want to be like visceral and like, get on their level, that you can't, you have to like be like respectable and not a bitch, a good girl or whatever. And so for me, I just feel like, I feel like my feminist rage has been snowballed like that woman and Promising Young Woman just because like, I feel like writing is something that's just like, man, men just feel such ownership over it. Like they're just like always such a like you read like A Woman, A Room of One's Own by Virginia Woolf. And she talks about like, you look at a man and like how they just like suck his dick for everything, just for breathing and he's a writer. And it's just like, not the same as a woman. You just have the fight. Like had like female friends tell me that men are better writers than women. I'm just like, how is that even a gender thing?
0: How (laughs) indeed, how do you Mm -hmm. even make that determination?
1: You sit in the chair. (laughs) Well, and, yeah, well, that's, that, I mean, that's something we talk about here on the show about, you know, the imposter syndrome. And that's something that was coined as for, for women. I mean, yeah. that was, it was brought up as a, as a syndrome for women uh, because they doubt their own accomplishments. They doubt their own achievements. And it's just not a correct way of thinking. We can all have insecurities or think, oh, do I deserve to be here? but we should never doubt it because of our gender or um the color of our skin ever, right? Yeah. Never. That's so weird. Sorry Blake. No, it's uh,
0: it's I I just love that we're having this conversation. I our listeners will be hearing it a, a little bit later, but we're actually having this conversation on International Women's Day and wow. which is awesome yes. and we are
2: mm-hmm. a <laughs> we are
0: obviously a half woman podcast, uh, but also a, a female produced <laughs> podcast and which brings me yeah. great joy. And, um, it's, it's wonderful to, to highlight these stories, because like you were saying, you know, there, there is the, there is that like uh, very spoken and then sometimes even darkly unspoken
2: gender yeah. bias, right. Absolutely. That I've
0: never had to face. You know, and I, and I think, mm, you know, I, mm. a lot of times when we come into conversations about any sort of, you know, inherent bias, there was a time in my life where I just thought, oh, well, I'm gay. So, you know, I've had to deal with blah, 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 blah. No, honey, you're a white gay man. You have not had to deal with anything. Like, <laughs> <dead>. like, really, <laughs> like, l- like, I like, look at yourself. Mm-mm. No,
2: no, sir. <laughs>
0: like, that is not the same you know, and but I feel like a lot of a, a lot of people in positions of privilege and positions of power that think they have like that one thing that's like, Oh, well I had to, to put up with that one thing that one time, like suddenly it makes you no, thank you. I, I, <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I feel like though, like, definitely, there's like a moment of like relation, though, as well, like, um, I'm from the South. Mm-hmm. And I found in my high school's GSA and, yeah, I mean, it was like, I feel like there are certain places where it is really rough to be gay. Also in Turkey, Right. that it was really rough to be gay. And I'm Jamaican and I'm pretty sure they, like, hunt gay people.
0: It's not good there. <laughs> it's it's yeah. really not good there.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there are places where it's like, oh, God, maybe it's just as bad to be gay as a woman. <laughs> In so certain think, extreme
0: cases, yes. I'm. I was specifically talking about my personal yeah, experience not, that is not not, not comparable.
1: Not in California. Yeah.
0: No. Definitely. No. <laughs> not in the not valley. In the, valley. <laughs> <laughs> the valley.
1: Again, the poor valley, taking it down, taking it down. <laughs> the
2: valley is the same.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I want to ask you, um, Camille, what because you've already accomplished so much at such a young age and um, I read in a recent interview that your you know one of your one of your many goals is to be a showrunner which I can see happening in like I don't know 10 15 minutes uh, at the rate that you're going <laughs>
1: I was like, just gonna say, if, like before they. Yeah, if we can get you go off,
0: go off this Zoom call so you can get back to your uh, career, that would probably be nice <laughs> for you. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> but I want to, I want to hear uh, more about what you see because I, what you see for your future and and kind of what your goals and in impact goals are because like I love this project that is that is yours where you're where you're using your art to have these conversations about you know. Uh, women specifically like empowering women women of color white women to get to to cross the that line in a real way that is very applicable to right now and so it's like it makes me excited to hear like what other stories you want to tell and what other corners of impact that you are dreaming about that I feel like you are in a brilliant position to to make come to fruition
2: so like a common thread from my writing is basically women of color trying to have it all Mm. and Mm. so that sort of theme like I have like a Jamaican historical slave revolt drama Mm. and that's like dual female protagonists again it's like the same sort of idea it's about like the biggest Jamaican slave revolt in history and they come together and they they're just these sisters with two dueling beliefs like when it comes to white people basically the pilot is called like fighting the white hand that feeds you mm. and it's like one like she just sort of like wants to just like get along with the master make him like her because she sort of has like a relationship with him and just sort of get by but after just like too many disrespects that he's done how like moments of disrespect that he's done she's just like over it she leaves him and then she's sort of like sh- trying to figure out how to you know really like Come into her own, how can she like really have that freedom that she wants? Because she thought she could get the freedom by just laying low, doing whatever he wants, and then eventually he would free her. And then her sister, who is like dating the head, I mean, like the leader of this revolution, who like gets killed at the end of this revolution because it was meant to be like a peaceful protest. And she's like, definitely like more like Malcolm X and She's like, just kill them. And so you see them warring, but they both like want the same thing. They just like want to be free. And so even in that history, I say that one specifically because it's like not comedy and normally I write comedy. And it's like, even in like a different time period but she still wants the same things as like, you know, my black female rapper Entourage script or like, um, oh. <laughs> Or like, you know, my basketball, like, you know, it's like ballers meet scandal idea Mm. or like script or like my, um, you know, I have like a horror script and like, I'll have like a lot of like homoerotic themes too, because I'm bisexual. So I'll like, my feature script is like, um, you know, I have two features. One is basically Bell Knox meets was it called again 500 days of summer so it's like about a girl that's like paying for college through doing corn and then this like virginal boy falls in love with her but he doesn't like really protect her from like toxic ma- male masculinity mm. when like it gets found out in school that's her occupation and she's i like the idea like there's no such thing as like a fairy tale you know like men aren't there to protect you they're often very cruel you you just need to protect yourself and other women and you know that sort of thing (laughs) because it's like yeah often men can protect you and I feel like when I was like very young I expected like these men to like I mean they weren't even men they were like boys they'd be like 19 and I'd be 19 and like why aren't you protecting me and it's like they are pussies and they're not actual men and so it's like it's sort of like that sort of like reflection it's like sometimes like I feel like women have to be women before men have to be men, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. that story is basically about that. And then my other feature is basically a coming out story where someone's whole family members end up dying. And I have like quite a few scripts. I recently got new management with like Color Creative, and we I made a slate doc, and I had fourteen projects. So that's why wow. I'm like, to that's think of everything. no, that's
0: awesome. That's incredible.
2: Yeah, I um the obviously the next project I'm pitching is like Crystal and Chelsea, right? And that's like, and I'm currently working on an animated project right now, and I just found that we got like a really exciting um, musical attachment that I can't say because like nothing's been finalized. Of course. But she's like definitely one of my heroes. Yay! And for like a, a '90s hip hop that's awesome project. Awesome. And I like made the music for it. Ah!
0: That's so exciting. Um, well, we will keep we will keep on the lookout
2: for <laughs> all of that to come. Yeah, and then I'm also an that's actor, great. which is always interesting in itself. And I do like <laughs> a bunch of random projects all the time. I
0: we both we both know that journey fairly well. <laughs> so
1: well, so well. Yeah, being you know. a writer
2: actor is weird. Like I had like this weird commercial audition where I had to like make myself fall on camera. And then I had to go do a general with stars like five minutes after. And I was like, hello. What is
0: my day? What is my day? What is my life? What is this business? Yeah,
1: this, like, who am I? Who am I? What do I really want here? Yeah. <laughs> it was
2: definitely like one of those moments. Of
0: course. <laughs> I love it. Well, we always like to make a, you know, a platform for our guests to, um, to promote anything that you want to promote so where can people follow you um and see all of the brilliant things that you are doing already and going to continue to do that you just thank you for giving us all those phenomenal sneak previews yeah, i want all of those so projects amazing. to get made like tomorrow
1: yeah
2: <laughs> i mean me too i would love
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> you have already you have already sold tickets or subscriptions to the streaming service that i need to yeah, watch yeah. it on or whatever like <laughs>
2: i'm absolutely. sold absolutely yeah, um hopefully. Um they can find me at the witty girl. Um and that's basically across all platforms. It's like the witty girl and if you want to delve into the inner workings of my mind, you can find me on TikTok at the witty girl 94. Awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, Camille, we thank you so much for uh, sharing with us and being on our podcast. It was just such a delight to get to know you. And and we're so inspired by what you're saying and what you're doing and your talent. And um, we just, it's just exciting to have someone that's like clearly a star on the rise. So congratulations to you. And we are excited.
1: Yeah, and thank you for sharing everything, and keep please keep doing everything you're doing, not only for yourself but for my daughters, please. <laughs>
2: oh yes, definitely. I always do it
1: for the girls. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Wow. Uh, I am kind of speechless. I have to be honest.
0: I mean, when I think about,
1: I don't know if I I don't know whether to be intimidated or completely in awe or. Both and just say like, yeah, like she's, she's impressive. Going to do
0: extraordinary things and is not afraid. And that's really exciting.
1: She speaks three languages.
0: And is a Fulbright scholar, like this is a woman who knows the world.
1: Yeah, I was going to say she's like making waves, like, but she's not making waves. She's building like foundations that women will stand on. And men will be grateful that she built it in the long run.
0: Indeed. Indeed. Right? I can't wait to see where she wow. goes next.
1: Me neither. 26. It's wow. incredible. Yeah, that was awesome. All right. I hope everyone took a deep breath after that one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, it's time for uh, your favorite new segment and mine. She gets it.
1: She gets it. I do like this okay. segment it's really exciting
0: who is our she gets it of the week allison
1: oh come on it's the person that everyone at this show loves oprah winfrey it's oprah.
0: it's oprah it has to be yeah we started the
1: you get a car and you get a car and you get a car We started come on. the show
0: talking about it i mean didn't it really make you miss her being on television like constantly
1: i get happy every time i see yeah. her no matter what she's talking about even when she's upset i'm happy yeah. that i see her yeah
0: it's a real it's I a just rare know the gift.
1: world's gonna be better right yeah she is i know it's gonna be okay
0: she has a rare gift and um I, yeah we don't even need to explain to the listeners why she gets it you know why she gets it she clearly gets it <laughs> yeah and she's gotten it for many many years
1: decades decades. So she gets it. She gets it. All right. This is good.
0: All right. Now it's time for a little bit of trivia. We're going back to trivia this week because we talked about Meghan Markle at the beginning of the episode and we've got a trivia question about Meghan. Mm -hmm. What was her first television appearance? do you know if you don't know you can find it out on patreon all right well to our fearless listeners uh we are going to be taking a short spring break um don't worry we're not going anywhere it's not exciting (laughs) we're regrouping to be able to bring you more brilliant content
1: (laughs) Mm mm-hmm and some exciting new guests. very exciting
0: new guests and um, we will be back on april 7th so we thank you for listening and supporting if you are loving the con artist podcast we would so appreciate you writing us a five-star review on apple that would be lovely please do it or you can also find us on patreon and support us there that's uh, patreon.com slash the con artist podcast and you can find us across social media so that you don't miss a thing Facebook and Instagram is at the Con Artist Pod. We thank you for listening and supporting, and we are excited to bring you brand new
2: things. Bye.
1: Bye.